0: Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to Stay in Yana Hut. Um, my name is Maria Mera. I'm your host, and I'm also a financial advisor with Edward Jones. I'm super happy today because I'm bringing um, an awesome documentary filmmaker and uh, also an awesome friend and a fellow Spaniard, Gemma Cubero del Barrio. Gemma, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you, Maria.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I uh, I we interviewed you uh, five years ago, so five years back, and uh, <laughs> and we've changed, we've both changed a little bit. But um, please let Quite us know. <laughs> yeah, well, just a, just a little. Tell us <laughs> what is a documentary filmmaker for those of us who are not so familiar with it.
1: So a documentary filmmaker is um, a person that is a storyteller. Uh, I would say a storyteller in the 21st century, um, um, because his documentary means that uh, we tell stories that are based in reality, um, hopefully stories that have not been told before. So we give opportunities to bring new, new voices um, into the world, but certainly about realities that are already here but may not be seen. And we use the language of cinema. So the beauty of documentary film is that You are showing reality, but using sound and the visual language of cinema and music. And it's a very collaborative uh, medium. It's not like a painter that paints by by herself. It's really, you really need an amazing team to make it happen and amazing stories from real people.
0: So um, do you write the, do you write the movies? Do you get a script before? An idea yeah.
1: before? So I'm gonna tell you my process, which is certainly might differ from other filmmakers. So uh, an idea emerged. For me, I consider that each film is a universe. So I don't work with a script. What I do is I come from journalism. So I use all the codes of uh, ethic, ethical codes of journalism. I find a story that is gonna interest me for long enough to be able to sustain it, to see how it develops. So I contact the characters, I gain access, that is, access is everything in documentary film. And then I spend whatever time it takes, whatever time it takes for me to really enter that universe and to be able to capture the essence of the person uh, that I am, or the subject matter that I am I'm treating. So I don't, uh, the script is uh, it's an organic process that you create as, as you go. So you might have an idea, but you always have to be very flexible to adjust, to get to know the person, uh, the idea changes, uh, the filmmaker changes in the process, the character's life change in the process. So changes are really are a very- um, Organic. Yeah, ingredient in documentary mm-hmm. film.
0: So, but you must have uh, some sort of like timeline, right? Or, or do mm-hmm. you do you know how long it's gonna take you to, to get at least the, the filming of the movie?
1: So I really never know. Of course, I've made films um, in two years, uh, which that is a quick timeline for me, but um, I really never know how long it's going to take. I'm an independent filmmaker, so I have a lot of freedom in terms of how I raise the money. Sometimes the raising of the money takes a lot of time. Uh, sometimes, depending on the story that you are dealing with, the story does not develop, so you need to be bearing witness to the person's life. And uh, there are many factors why you, it might take you years to, to do a film, um, and I normally let that process uh, just speak to me. And, um, but then I want to say that the script is actually made once you have gathered all the ingredients, all the interviews, and then you work with an editor, I work with an editor, Uh, to craft uh, the script based on the footage that you have already shot and the interviews that you have. And then the timeline will be determined based on the funding and the story that you're telling.
0: So do you, for what I hear, and again, for my finance background, do you do your own funding?
1: Um, I actually raise the money. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, you, do, you, you're I'm not independently in raising... wealthy. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I mean I, I meant, no, no, no. I meant you, you are the one searching for that, uh, for those funds.
1: Yeah. In my case, yes. I produce and direct. And um, I was very fortunate before I got into film to work in the nonprofit sector and learn the craft of fundraising. I remember talking to my family in Spain, they were like fundraising, what is that? You're begging for money. But they really helped me to be able to figure out how to get the financing through foundations, individual donors, PBS has been very generous with me. Um, So you get the, I I raise the money uh, for the films, yeah.
0: Let's let's uh, get let's get it started because I'm sure our audience is already looking forward to hear about your field. So let's let's start with the very first one. Uh, ella es el matador. She's the matador. Tell us a little bit about that first project.
1: So uh, ella es el matador is a story about two women that um, um, are really rare in the sense that they um, are they're actually. Um, in the profession of bullfighting, not as viewers or as spectators, but actually as matadors. So the film follows the two women' um, passion into um, this profession, and uh, we work. I made this film with Celeste Carrasco. Um, this was our first film. Uh, it was primarily shot in Spain, but also we spent time in Latin America. And the film um, did really well. Premiered on POV in Point of View, it shot over the years. It continues to show. And uh, you know, every film you make is about, you come up with an idea. So this was definitely a film about women, why the women cannot bullfight. And then in the process of making the film, we really discovered that bullfighting has really no gender in the sense of what, what it takes to be in front of the animal. So it's a really beautiful film, I'm very proud of it. Um, we had a recent screening at the with the Spanish embassy in LA and Maripal was able to join from from Mexico, and you know, uh are still yes. bullfight. Oh, yeah.
0: ju- so, how how was the welcome in in Spain um, of the movie? Was it be- because uh, bullfighting in Spain is becoming more and more controversial? So, was it well accepted?
1: So it was difficult. Uh, it was difficult um, because uh, in different ways, in the making of, during the making of the film, a lot of people were not supportive of the women bullfighting because they are rare and uh, unknown, and uh, they were also it was also difficult because um, some women don't necessarily want the, these women to be you know um, doing bullfighting. So we faced a lot of obstacles, but I have to say that the film has done uh, very well. Like it showed nationally on PBS, it was one of the most uh, watched uh, films in um, in the US. It really never showed in Spain. I remember the reason why, and it's because um, they really didn't want to bring up the issue of bullfighting on, on Spanish television. So I thought that was mm-hmm. really ironic that the film really got a lot of recognition <laughs> outside of Spain, but it still has no shown on Spanish television because it's a very political subject matter. But I have to say that it's been really beautiful how um, it has been embraced even by the, for instance, the bullfighting community that I thought it would be like really, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, nervous about showing the experiences of women. I know they really, actually, one of the biggest compliments we got is that the men also really connected to the story that we were saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, but the film got a um, did a screening festivals in Spain, and we got a couple of uh, awards. But it mm-hmm. has never shown on Spanish television. It's maybe one day what will happen? I feel like the film is really timeless. Uh, so I'm not that maybe
0: one yeah. day will show. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it was, uh, it was my first movie, um, seeing that first movie from you and uh, I was very impressed. Um, so, okay, so we go from Spain um, to Hawaii, also very character-based, but a completely different uh, documentary from "Seize the Matador to Automatic Cake. Um, yes. So tell us about this, this movie filmed in Hawaii.
1: So um, I fell in love with Hawaii and I moved here um, years ago. And uh, through a friend of a friend, I got to know Oro from Oro Cake. You might know him. He's based in Kaimuki. Yes. And he's this amazing artist whose expression is really to create these amazing cheesecakes. And um, he's endless. Um, he's a, um, a very creative person. And at the time that I met him, he was really dealing with a lot of um, crime and a lot of um, what at that time I considered police corruption, like the the shop was really attacked by uh, by drug dealers and so on and nobody was doing anything about it. So he gave me a call and asked me if I could come and help him. And I followed him for five years and we premiered the Hawaii International Film Festival in 2017. And um, it was really beautiful. I did this film without raising any money. I wanted to really do it in a different way, shoot it myself because I thought it would be extremely difficult to actually raise funds for a character like Otto, even though he is super popular. And it was really, I learned a lot about just um, doing uh, a film with um, your own resources, very doing it yourself. And, yeah, so that is automatic cake. Every film I make is completely different. That's one of my challenges. Totally different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So that one, and we've been seeing while you were talking, we've been seeing uh, some pictures of the premiere. And uh, so those are those are pictures of um, of the screenings and the premieres. Um, and this was when, when Otto had the store downtown, not in Kaimuki, yes. right? It, it like was more the like the downtown. downtown. Yeah. Yes, OK. Okay, so we keep, we keep moving to um, now, which one should we go first? Because the next one is based on the, in the same place, also very character-based, very strong women uh, as characters. Um, yeah. So let's, let's do our atoll speech?
1: Whichever you want. Let's,
0: or let's
1: the, the Island in well, Me first, yeah.
0: Or, okay, let's do the Island in Me. So tell, tell us about this project. It's not, uh, is it already done?
1: So it's almost done. And um, so when I moved to Hawaii, um, I've been living in Hawaii for over a decade. But um, in 2012, I moved back here. And that's when I started with Automatic Cake. And also, but I moved back to Hawaii because I was following the life of Amelia Borowski and Johnny Frisbee, two really remarkable women that have grown in an atoll in the Pacific, in the Cook Islands, uh, called Puka Puka. So the film has been named homecoming for many years, but now I just changed the film to the island in me. And now we are submitting to festivals and very soon we will be able to celebrate a premiere, which I'm really excited about, but I can't really reveal yet. so, yeah, I've worked on that film for nine years and it's almost done. My, all my team is uh, finishing the color and sound and the music is done. Um, so I'm really excited that that's coming up next.
0: And so uh, you, I'm going to interrupt you, Hema, because you picked my curiosity. Why did you change from Homecoming to The Island in Me?
1: you know uh, it's very common with a documentary film you start with a title because you have to create a proposal we did a crowdfunding campaign and at that time um i knew the film was essentially about the return of these two women back to their childhood home so it was a homecoming right at that time Mm -hmm. it was named for many years homecoming everybody knows it as homecoming and um and then uh, very recently, actually, when I was the film was almost done. Right. So the film was crafted. The script had been written in the sense of this. The film was edited. I picture it. and um, nine years have passed. And now um, if you go into Netflix and you tap, type Homecoming, it was like I couldn't believe it. It was the same like Homecoming, a film about Beyonce, Homecoming, the series oh. homecoming. homecoming. So I knew that that title will not work. Um, And it was challenging to change it because people have known it as Homecoming. But I also realized that The Island in Me is a much better title because in the process of making the film, you go through the experience of it. And uh, for me, this film that is coming up is very much about, uh, it's very personal. And it's also about, I want the audience when you watch it, that you feel like the island is in you when you leave the movie. Okay.
0: Okay. So the island in me is really, is really for all of us, it's to, yeah. to feel it that way. Um, so tell and for us the us women a little bit about- for, and
1: for, for, and for every for the women in the film, especially, but mm-hmm. also I, I hope that it will also, you will also take a little bit of the island with you.
0: Okay, so tell us a little bit about this island. How, how many people live there?
1: So Puka Puka is a coral atoll located in the northern group of the Cook Islands. Um, I think right now about 400 450 people live in Puka Puka. Uh, most of Puka Pukaans live in uh, then migrate to the um, they live in the diaspora and in um, actually in New Zealand and Australia. Most of them. And it's a place that is uh, has never been documented in film before. Uh, is uh, an atoll that has its own language, like the Basques, for instance, in Spain. is like even mm-hmm. though they're part of the Cook Islands, their their language is ancient, more than two thousand years old, and they keep their own cultural practices, their own traditions. Um, and so, the do the- they.
0: Do they also speak English mostly or? or... They speak a little so bit they... of
1: English. There is a school where they learn English. Most people speak a little bit of English, but their root language is really Puka, Puka.
0: Yeah. Okay, And it's
1: very interesting now that I'm taking it to festivals, I can never find Puka, Puka in the choice of language. So people are actually adding the Puka Puka language too. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a really a remarkable place that has a lot to offer and the story of the island in me tells you know is the journey of these women how the, the atoll marked the life of these women and and also you will see that um i ended up putting myself in the film because the, the island also really uh, created a deep in, impact on me so um you know, um, so
0: ge- geographically speaking, I am just thinking about the logistics of filming this. You have to fly to the Cook Islands and then from the Cook Islands uh, take a boat. I'm I'm just I'm just I encourage
1: everybody to Google Puka Puka and see how if they can get there. There's actually it's very difficult to get there. There's not like charter. You have to charter a the plane. There are two ways to get there. Go to Rarotonga and um, and wait for a boat whenever the boat leaves. You really never know when. There's no passenger boats. There's like cargo, only cargo boats that go by. Now with COVID, I think everything has been shut down. So there's really not even transportation, but there's no scheduled transportation. Um, and uh, you need to bring most of the, you know, everything that you need in. And then you could also charter a plane, but it's, it's very, very expensive to charter a plane to get there. So Okay.
0: So- no no hotels or no place no. to stay other than uh, with the locals
1: no it's also a, a culture uh, that is outside of the capitalist system in the sense that um, they do deal with money and they're very intelligent with it and super sophisticated culture but it's really a place that is outside of the the capitalist system they have it's a communal society
0: okay so do they depend on the new zealand government or so uh, the the island is self-sufficient
1: in the, in terms of food and uh, they are able to live out of the food and the fish
0: that, they, that
1: is in the S- ocean. self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah, they're self-sufficient. Uh, of course, the car, the boats um, are changing the island too. like they, they do bring like other goods, you know, like meat and, you know, just other things that like right now they have solar power that New Zealand actually helped uh, install in the island. And um, they are, have a very strong connection, of course, to Rarotonga and the Cook Islands, but also the influence of New Zealand is very strong in the sense that they do get, um, they have a, a New Zealand passport, and there, you know, there's a bank in Puka, Puka. so a lot of the transactions actually happen with New Zealand.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I would like our audience to have because we are talking about it, but it's nothing like it's nothing like a thousand words plus. A video right so let's let's see the video of uh, our atoll speaks and then we will talk about the uh, the, the the other movie We are the children of Te Ulu Te Watu, of Pukapuka. How long can we call Pukapuka the island home? Climate change is the biggest threat to our existence. Our atolls speak i to I wanted people to say it because I think that just the image, it um, it means so much, right? What a beautiful place. And uh, tell us about the voice, that who, who, who talks there?
1: So the beauty for me of this film, this film, I never thought I was going to make it, but we were making the island in me and then I needed to go back to Pukapuka. Puka. So we got funding from the United Nations to be able to return. And they asked me to do something about climate change, but they said, you know, four or five minutes, uh, something on climate change. They gave me complete freedom. So I have done so many interviews. I went back to Pukapuka and lived there for five months. And they gave me, I had so much information when I returned that I, we decided that we will be making this film by selecting the lines from the interviews. We will do the script, the narration that you hear by selecting the lines from the people that talked to me about climate change and conservation practices. And with Amelia Borowski and Johnny Frisbee, the main characters of the other film, we actually created the narrative. And then it occurred to me, um, Johnny Frisbee, um, She's a Cook Island legend. She's the only Puka Puka woman living also near, near me in Hawaii, you know, and she's an amazing writer. So we decided that she would be the voice for the film and, and it will be the voice of the people of Puka Puka. So that is her beautiful voice.
0: Beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah, it's uh, so um, spiritual, right? That it, it almost like you, you feel it more uh, or at least it, it had that effect me. Um, Okay, so this is Spanier who went from uh, Spain to LA to Hawaii to Puka Puka, and and thanks to you, we all know where Puka Puka is, at least in Hawaii. Um, Where is your heart, Gemma?
1: Where is my heart?
0: Yep. Geographically, geographically speaking, because you've been to so many places and had so many experiences. Um, where, where is the place where you, where you want to be? Uh, you know, I
1: have a very deep connection with Hawaii. Um, I actually feel that this is a big place for me. Um, my heart is wherever I go, but certainly I feel um, a very deep connection here.
0: So what makes you, uh, what makes you be young at heart these days, just connecting to our topic? So,
1: you know, when I told you that uh, in filmmaking, I just was thinking about this today, in filmmaking, um, you look for the essence of the story. I feel for me, um, what is happening to me as I'm I'm growing older, I face a lot of difficulties, especially with the film business and in many aspects of my life, you know. So I think I'm discovering that what keeps me young is to try to remember to worry less and also be more playful, Um, um, trying to, you know, uh, I'm more in the process of looking at my, what is my essence, you know, and how can I keep that alive and go deeper with it? Um, Being in nature is definitely being here by the ocean, I walk, Uh, when I'm here every day the beach and it's just like such a source of uh, of light for me and inspiration Um, having connection with people that I love is really big for me so I think that keeps me also young at heart but uh, one thing that I learned in Puka Puka that was life-changing is that they work hard but also they play hard and they pray so spirituality in whatever form or shape you want to um, connect to. is a really big part of uh, of my life, and I don't want to sound new agey, but I I really mean it. Like having faith that things are going to work out, even even when they are completely outside of my control.
0: That's that's what that's those are beautiful words, and with your soul voice, it, <laughs> it keeps us gone. um so now your your next project or to finalize your project is the uh, the island in me. Can you tell us when we can see it?
1: So uh, I, I'm gonna have news soon about a, a a wonderful premiere that we just locked, but I can't announce it yet. But um, um, you know we have um, I have a Taqwah well Films page. We you guys can also follow us on social media. So I will be announcing it, you know, maybe in a couple of months or so. Um, and you know how the film works, right? You first uh, go to festivals and then hopefully we will be able to make it available through PBS because PBS has funded the film Pacific Islanders and Communications. Um, I don't have all the details nor I can reveal them right now, but it's, um, I'm really hopeful that the film will really reach um, you know, new audiences and people that have been waiting to watch the film for a long time, um, you know, through festivals and also television um, broadcasts. But, you know, uh, we have to wait a little bit more.
0: <laughs> so one more thing, um, because I can see that all your, all, all your movies are very much based on someone. Um, what, what makes you click? What makes you say this is the person and this is the story?
1: It has to be, you know, the beginning of my career. Um, I, found the new, I found the stories on the news, maybe because I was trained as a journalist. Uh, right now, I'm finding it more in my life. Um, I, for me, it has, to be some, it has to be a subject or a person that captiv, captivates me. Um, this is because I don't know how long it's going to take me or what it's going to take, because it really is a deep dive for me. I need to find somebody that is, I want to learn something from them or from her or uh, and in the end, I have to say, Maria, that when I finished my films and in the process of making the films, I realized that we are all like mirrors, like we're all reflecting each other. So I have to say that my films are all completely different, but I identify with there are parts of me in all of them. Like, so it's almost like I'm making films about other people, but there's no separation, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, they say that you are um, you are the mix of the, your best five friends, or you the, the five people that you spend more time with. You're just that that mix, right? For you, it's, it's even more because you have so many so many friends. And um, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Okay. so so I guess, uh, Gemma, I, I'll, I'll take a little bit of, of you and you can take a little bit of me. It's, been, it's, been a, it's always been a pleasure to spend some great moments with you. And uh, I hope we can still do that. And uh, please, if you have any, any other words, then we will just say goodbye.
1: Well, you keep me young at heart. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really pleased. And I certainly we, are, we have met for many reasons. So really, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share this with you and with everyone. Thank you very likewise,
0: much. likewise, Gemma. <laughs> thank you very much. I will leave my, uh, um, our audience with those words. And um, stay young at heart. And we'll see you on our next episode. Thank you, Gemma. Bye
1: bye. Besitos.